Welcome to the International Door Association's DoorCast. The IDA DoorCast will provide news and notes from the building and remodeling industry and tips and tidbits to help you improve your business. Now, here's your DoorCast host, IDA Executive Director, Mike Fisher. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Mike Fisher, welcoming you to the IDA DoorCast, brought to you from the Winding Bar Cafe. We have a very special guest today and what I think is going to be a very interesting discussion. I am so happy to welcome Joy Abshire, the president of A-Door Works in Sulphur, Louisiana, and by the way, an IDA dealer member to today's DoorCast. Joy, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Mike. When a pandemic meets the natural disaster, Joy went through a horrific experience last year when Hurricane Laura came through Louisiana. Joy's going to share stories today about what happened before, during, and after that arrival of Hurricane Laura in the middle of a pandemic dealing with COVID-19. So, Joy, thanks again. Maybe you could tell us a little bit before we get into Hurricane Laura. Tell us a little bit about your company and how you got into this crazy door business that we all love so much. Back in uh, 94, um I, my husband approached me about fulfilling a dream that I always had about uh, doing doors. My mom dated this gentleman after my dad had passed away and he was a door dealer and it just doors sparked my interest. And so what was supposed to be a catch of, uh, hey, we'll do doors on my days off from work and I'll finish the house ended up being uh, doors we do all the time and house is not finished. And, and so it goes with the, uh, life of a door dealer. You just stay constantly busy if you're committed to what you do. So you started as a part-time gig and here you are all these years later. Is the house finished yet? No, no, absolutely not. Part-time gig. And I and I say part-time because I was a, an administrator in a very large law firm. So when it was part-time, it was at work at night and uh, on weekends. And now it's 24-7. Especially with a hurricane hitting, I'm sure it was 24-7 in reality in, the, in those days. <clears throat> so why don't you tell us a little bit about, tell us about the Lake Charles region in Louisiana. Well, Lake Charles and Sulphur is actually the southwest corner of Louisiana. We are about, well, Sulphur is about 30 miles off of the Gulf. And uh, to the west of us, of course, we have Texas. And then further down I-10, after about four-hour drive, you'll get into New Orleans. So we are we're in the very heel uh, of the boot, so to speak, of Louisiana. Uh, a lot of rural area. Uh, we are in Calcasieu Parish, Lake Charles and Sulphur is part of Calcasieu Parish. There's about 200 and, I don't know, 203,000 people in Calcasieu Parish, um, so we serve uh, Southwest Louisiana, Calcasieu Parish, and into occasionally Texas and a little bit east of us, heading towards Baton Rouge and all. Very diverse, uh, a lot of forming in an industry area. We were planning to talk about Hurricane Laura, of course, today. That's the reason that we invited you to share your story. But let's not forget, Hurricane Laura showed up in the middle of a global pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's... Stop thinking about the hurricane for a minute and, and go back and try to remember what it was like dealing with a pandemic before Laura hit. So share your stories about how you were dealing with COVID-19 outbreak. For COVID-19, our staff is comprised of uh, seven technicians in the field, and I have uh, five ladies in the office. And being responsible 
to our employees as well as to our customers, we gave our employees an option as to whether or not they wanted to work or not. Some chose to stay at home during the pandemic and others came to work. At first, they came to work, the ones that were coming to work would work alternating hours and half day schedules. And of course, I worked all day. Well, what we discovered uh, is that in the life of the door world, you are an essential worker because we serve essential workers. Uh, hospitals, uh, we do a lot of fire station work and in our industries, they had to all keep producing. So it got where we were as busy, if not busier uh, during that time and being somewhat short staffed, it was, you know, it was very long days and, and consequently office work really happened seven days a week because we didn't have enough people to catch up with it. So the pandemic in some respect helped us because we found that people were staying home and they were looking around and suddenly deciding that, God, I want a new garage door. I want my door to look like everything I'm seeing now uh, in the magazines. And so we stayed very, very busy. We did a lot of quoting and we did, you know, very reasonable uh, amount of sales during that time as well. The only glitch that was pretty difficult to handle is when someone called for a service and we had protocols uh, asking them all the questions, whether or not they had COVID in their home. Uh, so our employees were safe. Uh, we made sure that we had masks. We made sure we had all the hand cleaners. But, you know, it was it was it was difficult, but but definitely busy. Customers were very appreciative. Most of them were very cordial in working with us to make sure that our employees stayed safe. Because my worst nightmare in that time was what if one of my people contacts it? Then chances are somebody else in the office will get it. So we were we were spared. No one during that time uh, contacted the virus. And so, you know, I felt very blessed. But it was with some pretty tough days to roll then into what the next obstacle that was facing us for uh, 1920. I understand we went to Salt Lake City for the IDA Expo in March of 2020. And I remember going to Salt Lake City and my number one fear was worrying about would there be enough hand sanitizers stations available in the convention center. Little did I know we would finish Expo and come home and face the prospect of an economy that was shutting down. And you mentioned the essential worker piece of this puzzle. We went into triage mode at IDA on behalf of our membership. And the very first thing that we did was try to make sure that any of our members who wanted to keep their doors open would be able to do so by being classified as an essential company, an essential service. And we all know that's true. We know that working on emergency facilities, whether it's an ambulance station, a hospital, a fire department, making sure those doors are operational so that they can conduct their normal business operations was, was an important piece of what we did. And I have a feeling that the next time we go into this kind of a scenario, the world will know that the door business is an essential service and essential business. So I think that was helpful. But we were a little naive when we went to Salt Lake City, right? We thought, this would be a little blip and it'd be over with. But when we came back, you know, everything everything changed. The world was different. So we we came back to this world. We started dealing with COVID. You had your protocols in place. You were busier than ever. And yet, little do we know, you were going to be facing Hurricane Laura. So when we fast forward now from the beginning, say, of April, end of March, to the summer when you started hearing about Hurricane Laura forming, Tell us what you were thinking of as you started to see the forecasts 
and then and then eventually storm warnings they were hitting you well i'm, I'm a step one month back from laura on july 28th i was working late at the office um, i left the office about 8 30 that night uh, my husband worked works in the industries uh, and really does part time for us with a door works. Although he was one, he was the founding, I'm called a hands on person for a door works. He works in one of the industries and had worked that day, works 12 hour shifts. He got home about five that afternoon. And I had tried to reach him a few times, never could reach him. But when I got home that night, I discovered he was in the bottom of the shower and he had had a brain bleed. So on July 28th, the ambulance course came and he went into the hospital, which was just overrun with a lot of uh, COVID patients and, you know, the craziness of uh, for families having to deal with a loved one going in, into a hospital environment. And so that started a whole new turn of events for us. And then when August came and we started hearing that there was a bad storm or there was a named storm in the Gulf, you know, you, you kind of start watching it. Uh, always in the hopes that, oh, it's going to go off in another direction. Not that you want anyone else necessarily to get it, but you kind of really don't want it either, you know. And um, as it got closer to us on that week, you know, you start trying to make some preparations of uh, make sure you have water, make sure you have uh, all your phone lists updated for all your em employees, uh, try to, you know, decide on where you're going to go and how we're going to reach you when you go get there to your destination. And so that week, as it continued to look like, hey, she's coming and it looks like she's going to be pretty rough with all the forecasts that we were hearing about um, the winds that it was packing. We made preparations in the office as far as, uh, you know, trying to gather up things at our desk, making sure that our last day we had computers covered, thing, items picked up off the floor in that preparation in our yard for any doors that we had out were brought closer to the building, uh, secured anything that we thought could fly away. And then strategically parked all of our trucks in a row, hugging one another uh, all on the side of our building to try to what we thought would, you know, help break some of the winds. We did it and Rita worked well, did, you know, had some issues, but not catastrophic issues with Rita as far as our premises went. And then we all went to our home bases or some were leaving out to evacuate. I chose to stay for the storm. I always have the thought of, well, what if our customers need us? I need to be close by. Of course, you know what you're dealing with, limited communications when a storm hits, power outages and so forth. And uh, we made, I made the decision I was staying. And consequently, our youngest son, who is one of our lead technicians here at Adorworks, uh, decided to stay home as well, while his wife and children, my three wonderful grandchildren, evacuated, which was the best thing to do. Because if you've never been through a hurricane, I can tell you, for some reason, they always seem to hit at night, and it's a long, dark, loud night. And um, we started, um, there were, see, there were four of us, I think, or five of us uh, in his home, uh, windows boarded, and you kind of, as they say, hunker down. We hunkered down for the night, trying to use sparingly your uh, devices because of power issues and you know the storm will start and you will 
maintain your power for a while, but at some point you're going to lose it. And as the storm rages, uh, you know, we did we did lose power through the storm. I guess that afternoon, probably at one thirty, we had our first uh, band. And in this band, you'll get a lot of rain and you'll get your first taste of some of the winds that are going to be coming your way. And then it, it stops. And then it just got things kind of settle down again. And then the band, you'll get the next band. And as it continues, as the storm gets closer to you uh, and, and gets on shore, once it gets on shore, as close as we were to the Gulf, you're starting to pick up some pretty high winds, a horrendous howling noise, gust of wind just hitting the house with just just terrible force where you can feel it. And then at some point you start feeling, and I say feeling because you really can feel it, uh, the trees hitting the ground. When those trees hit the ground, if your feet were down on the floor, if you were sitting and, and you were your feet were down on the floor, you could actually feel the vibration up through your feet when the trees would hit. So we knew that trees were falling. We knew that things were bad. And you start calculating, where do I need to be in the house? What tree could possibly be left in the yard in case it comes through the home? There were many. We had neighbors that that had trees to their home or lost their entire roofs. As it turned out for us, we had some friends. There were four ladies down the street from us that were staying with their animals. And we were in constant contact with them. And they called me and they said, hey, we, we have rain coming in and rain is coming down the walls. And I said, like, where are you now? We're kind of in the den area. And I said, you, you really need to go in the bathroom and try to be safe in there. Well, as it turned out, they had they didn't realize it, but the whole roof was gone on their home. So as the eye got closer to us, we were watching it on radar. The guys that was with us were going down to rescue them. And I was I was kind of the in-between radio person and uh, uh, would say, hey, they're almost there. Be sure you're at the door ready to go. And so our guys that was with us brought these four ladies and their animals and um, as we rode out the rest of the storm, they had a, it was a 30-minute window when the eye comes through. Uh, there ended up being nine adults and 13 dogs in this one house. So it was quite a long night uh, with the next morning for dawn as you, you know, you want to just get outside and see what's happened. And you go outside and there's a little bit of light in the sky and you can see roofs trees are gone or you would see a tree that looked similar to a toothpick and it just been stripped of its limbs uh just a a very war zone look that you would see like in pictures of a war zone and so as dawn continued to reveal itself the real the reality of what had just happened to us starts to set in and it's pretty horrific at that point um, you can't get down the street. You have people just kind of almost walking around in shock. The ones that were there, not many people stayed, but the ones of us that were there and you just jump into action because you got to get chainsaws out and you have to start cutting trees. In some cases, the trees were so massive, people were taking them and uh, hitching on to them with chains and stuff with trucks and trying to pull them out to just try to get some passage uh, down the roads. So if you're faint of heart, I would recommend to anyone don't stay during a hurricane because it's uh, it's a long, 
very scary night. Well, it sounds to me like you started out with a storm vigil in the beginning of the storm as it started in your neighborhood, and you you ended up with this menagerie of people and animals. It was was that Joy's Ark? <laughs> Almost. Well, you could kind of say that. Uh, being a Catholic, you know, I did have my rosary bead, and it was uh, beads, and uh, it was kind of funny. They would all like, kind of laugh at me because it was a rosary from uh, an aunt, and uh, or my, it might have been my grandmother's. I don't remember. But anyway, it was an old, old rosary and it glowed in the dark. So everywhere I walked, they knew they knew that uh, I had this rosary. <laughs> so I guess we were somewhat of a, a Noah's Ark, so to speak. And then we, because everybody had lost so much, we spent a week together just literally camping inside a home, uh, inside my son's home that served as all of our shelter, you know, f- for that night and then for the next week until people could kind of find their places as to where they would get to finish the uh, the aftermath of the storm. Joy, I'm going to tell you, I'm on the edge of my seat. We've had some discussions about this before, and every time I talk to you, I find it fascinating. I learn a little bit more about what you all went through. And I have been through storms before, but not like this. You were prepared a little bit because you did have knowledge of Rita and Katrina. Can you share a little bit of that and, and how those experiences may have helped you a little bit, at least, when Laura came through? Well, for Katrina, while that's the New Orleans side, we kind of came into service, which kind of gave us a preview of life after a hurricane because we were called upon uh, from a Houston dealer to deliver to New Orleans some Home Depot doors. And so we drove to Houston, picked up doors, and then had to drive them in to New Orleans area, stopping first in Slidell. And I was just amazed at the people that were standing in line waiting for water and waiting for food rations or anything that they could get to start their life over again. Yeah, we watched, you know, so going to Slidell, I noticed the long lines in parking lots for people wanting to get water or food rations. Even witnessed some equipment, heavy equipment inside a bank, literally pushing mud out of the doors of this bank. And I thought, wow, how do, how do you, how do you start your life again? What, how do you pay your house note? How do you do all of these things that we just take as part of our everyday living? Only to find that one month later, we were sitting in our home dealing with the storm of Hurricane Rita coming through on us. And it was, you know, again, it was a very long night. And just, you know, sometimes you almost feel like in a storm where you're almost on a roller coaster ride because the rent, the winds intensify and then they'll slack off a little bit. And so it's just like riding in a roller coaster. Rita, Rita brought that experience very much uh, to reality of how, hey, this is bad. And then the very next day after Rita I was literally going through a, a large car dealership, uh, measuring doors with him to try to get people's lives back in order so they could, you know, secure their property and and be available to their customers to provide their services. So Rita kind of gave me that real experience. And I thought, wow, this is bad. And it was really bad. But Laura was a totally different game. Laura was just catastrophic. And if you come to our area now, it's almost a year. 
and the probably the vast majority of the homes still have blue tarps, meaning they lost shingles. They they lost part of their their roof covering and the lines to get services are so long that um, I don't know when when a lot of people will be cared for as well as dealing with their their financial issues in um, trying to, you know, restore their lives. So Rita was a preview of what Laura and Laura is just it's just bad girl. And she definitely has her own story. And it's not a very nice story. Story. It's pretty much a horror story. Well, I think with that, let's take a very short break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the construction codes that are in place there. And we'll talk a little bit more about the roof damage and those things. So so we're going to take a brief break. And then I'll be back with Joy Epshire from Adore Works in Sulphur, Louisiana. And we'll talk more about Hurricane Laura and then the aftermath and picking up the pieces during COVID. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi again, everyone. This is Mike Fisher. We here at IDA are excited to announce the first ever IDA Educon and Trade Show, which will be held as an in-person event on September 30th through October 2nd at the Live Casino and Hotel, located near the BWI Airport just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. The inaugural Educon and Trade Show is designed to help IDA better engage with our members from all over the U.S. Attendees can sit in on educational sessions and get updates on the latest products and services for our industry on the trade show floor. We haven't been able to get together with IDA members since Expo in March of 2020, so we are thrilled to present this in-person industry event. The IDA Educon and Trade Show will provide you the opportunity to earn up to 16 hours of IDEA-approved CEUs. You will network with peers, interact with industry suppliers, and learn important tools to advance your business. So mark your calendars for the IDA Educon and Trade Show, September 30th through October 2nd. And watch your emails for more information about registration, exhibits, sponsorships, and more. For additional information about IDA or the Educon and Trade Show, visit our website at doors.org. Now let's get back to the IDA Doorcast. Welcome back to the IDA Doorcast. My guest is Joy Epshire. Joy, thanks again for coming today. I want to pick right up where we left off. Can you tell us now, what was the status of the code enforcement, code compliance for the wind load provisions of your codes? Well, we certainly have wind code requirements. Unfortunately, in southwest Louisiana, and I suppose maybe in most of southern Louisiana, the inspectors have not really enforced the wind code requirements as it pertains to garage doors. Now, not so in the overall uh, building, commercial or residential with roof structures and so forth. But in the garage door world, we have had very few questions uh, regarding wind rating. It's difficult to even sell wind rated products to customers. I think though with Laura that that's gonna change and it needs to change. And we have worked very hard with the recovery of Laura, uh, of trying to educate customers and give them the information that they need for where their home is. And we are right on the coast. We're 30 miles from the Gulf. So the majority of our area really is under, you know, wind, wind code uh, requirements, which for us is the TDI code. So uh, educating customers 
educating ourselves on how we can educate customers is going to be one of the things that is going to be a goal for us once we get back to what we call somewhat normal operations. Because right now, with the way we're having to operate, it's far from normal. Thanks, Joy. So now let's switch gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about, quote unquote, the morning after. After the storm passed, and as you said, they always seem to come at night. The sun did come up, however, the next day, but it came up to a whole different world in your part of Louisiana. Tell us what it was like in your neighborhood and with your friends and family that you had sheltered together with through the storm. When the sun started coming up, I remember quite clearly the sky was kind of gray and somewhere way off in the distance, there was just a little glimmer of the sun. But what that was revealing was there was a skyline that was once filled with large oaks and some pines, but just a lot of tree mass. To reveal, we had a few toothpicks. Our trees look like toothpicks. The pine trees were just, and it was consistently throughout that pine trees were just twisted and laying over about midway in their trunks. And the road and yards, edge of yards was just full of trees. They were just laying over everywhere. You, you couldn't even hardly walk through it, let alone attempt to drive a vehicle through it. But it wasn't very long. Suddenly, this, the sounds of uh, chainsaws for the few families that had stayed in their homes, they were filling the air. And uh, if you wouldn't have had these brave guys with their chainsaws and just jumping to work, jumping into action, you know, it would have taken all day to get out of just, you know, your immediate neighborhoods. And so the task began. It was from that moment, it was just boots on the ground and people working. And of course, as the sun continued to rise, it was hot and humid. There was, there's water everywhere. And so just very, very hot. And you're, you're really, you're just kind of running on adrenaline and literally having to cut trees and pull those trees out of the road to be able to, to just pass through to get to wherever you were being beckoned to go to. Spotty cell phone service. Sad thing, some folks left their animals at home and you would see dogs just, just running because they were scared to death. They had all endured such a long, horrific night of horrendous noise and the winds just pounding their homes. And for us, with some of the guests that stay with us in our house, they literally lost their roof. And so you had people walking around in shock, like, what do I do next? So it was a very long night to wake up to a reality of if you didn't move your feet, you were going to get left behind. So that, that's pretty much, you know, what uh, I think most folks endured uh, and in their feelings of just being in shock afterwards. Thanks, Joy. Well, let's put on your A-Door Works hat now. Tell us about how you first found out you might have an issue at your business location and how that played out. While we were out in the middle of the road cutting tree, massive tree trunk, let me tell you that, massive. We got a call and they said, uh, your shop looks pretty bad. You, you might need to try to make your way over there. And I told my son, I said, you got to get me out of here. You, you, you've got to find us a way out of this neighborhood. I've got to get over there. And of course, Jared, our son is our right hand guy. And it was as 
important to him as it was to me to to find that passageway out. So someone took a truck, took their truck, and they just put a chain around this tree, and they just opened this a pathway for him to be able to drive his truck through. And literally, in many instances, we had to cut through the edges of people's yards. Couldn't mess them up. They were already torn up. And then when we got on the main road, our next encounter were power lines down and wire everywhere and trying to weave around those obstacles to, to be able to get to our shop. Once we got to our shop, it was apparent as we were coming down the road, it was in sight and we had an, an awning probably about, I don't know, 15 feet wide, I guess, uh, that literally went all completely down the side of our building. It was just gone. There was a very small piece of it left and it was down on the ground and the rest of it, we had no idea where it flew off to, but it was gone. And looking at the roof, it was peeled open just like you would do a sardine can. If you can imagine as you take a, the key and you open it up, it was completely gone. We had a storage building off on the left side that had two 10 by 10 doors. So it was a nice size storage building. It was lifted from one side of our yard back towards the building where it just demolished two of our trucks. So we had no shop. We had two trucks immediately gone from first inspection. And it, it just looked like someone had set a bomb off in our yard. We opened the door to get into the warehouse. And once in, while it looked bad on the outside, it was horrendous on the inside because it was filled with water and you could just see the sky. There was, there was nothing left. Walking into the offices, we probably had ankle deep water. Now our shop is on a loading dock, completely on a loading dock foundation. So this came from the heavens above all of the, uh, all of the water that was uh, on the inside and our desk. While we had thought we secured our computers by putting them in trash bags and we had looked at the CPUs up and put them on top of the desk and had picked up everything on the floors. It was just, the winds were so horrendous that night that many of the computer bags were just, I mean, ripped. So everything was drenched. I I would dare say there wasn't anything in there that just wasn't wet and and stayed wet for the longest of time. So really, you know, when I thought I was in shock, Walking out of the home, our home that morning, it didn't compare with what I felt when we walked in our office. I thought, wow. And then I told my son, I said, I think my knees could buckle, but I know this. God is good. And we're going to make it through this. It's going to take a while, but God is good and we're going to get through it. And, um, you know, we're moving our feet. And uh, there are days that I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this one more day, but I do. We all do. We're a team. I have great people that work on our team, and we're going to keep pushing till we eventually get our, our new shop, our new environment, our new beginning. Thanks for sharing that. So you, you were trying to assess what kind of a mess your business was in, and specifically mm -hmm. the building structures and inventory and all that. But in the world around you, there must have been infrastructure problems. So 
I'm assuming there was no water, probably no electricity and, and even internet connectivity and, and all that. How long was it before you started to see some recovery there? For our office, it was in November. We were fortunate to be able to secure very quickly a mobile unit. And it got delivered probably two to three weeks after the storm. But then we had to wait because we needed a plumber to get a sewage connection. We needed an electrician to come and pull power from the poles, but the poles were down. So you had to wait till people came and we had all these services from across the United States that came to our rescue. But these men were not used to the heat that we had here and the humidity. And, and then there were no supplies. You know, they had to wait on poles to be delivered into our area. Then, then you had to wait on the electricians and, you know, Suddenly, you go to bed one night, and then the next day, everybody needs your service, regardless of the trade that you're in. So we had to wait. And as things turned out, we finally get our unit, our mobile unit set up with things that we were able to, a few items that we were able to salvage out of our office. We got it set up, I think like October 1st or 2nd, and we got hit with Delta on the 9th. So... We had it set up for a few days and we took all the little bits of things that we had left and we had to pack it all up. We had to go out and buy more containers to try to salvage what we had and pack it up for Delta to hit us. We got through with Delta. Thanks the Lord. We, if there was more damage, you couldn't, you couldn't distinguish what was lower damage or Delta damage. And it's so amazing. The insurance companies want you to say, well, this came from Delta. Oh no, this came from Laura. And we're, and I'm like, does it really matter? We had two storms back to back. The damage results from the hurricanes. We kind of recovered from Delta. We were in November before we first had a landline. It's kind of, I call it a piece of a landline. As far as internet, it, it was like probably the end of November, beginning of December. And I know for my own home, I didn't have internet or cable services until December the 18th. Water, we got water back probably a month after the storm. And then sometimes, you know, you'd have issues with the water source. And then because they all got hit so badly, you'd think you're fixed and then you would not be. So that's basically how it's gone. And, and currently now through all of this phone issue we have, we signed up for fiber to try to improve our service, that was in December, and they just came to us in June with the fiber connections, and we're still waiting for the final connect in our office. So that just tells you how far behind all the services. It's not just the garage door world that has service issues. It's every aspect, and you just learn that you have to have patience. You just have to respect when they tell you we're backed up. I know. And I hate to complain. Well, you mentioned phone service, but after the storm hit, you didn't have a phone. How did your customers get in touch with you? How did people reach out to you to say, help us, our doors need to be serviced, or I need a new door. I can't get my car out of our building. How did you talk to your customers? Two ways. First of all, we were very, very fortunate to have just signed on with a new service called Podium. With Podium, it allows you to have an app that is on our main line for our A-Door Works. 
Through this app, they can text you. They can send images to you. I never thought of what it life is, would be like without Podium. I mean, we would have just, I don't know what we'd have done, but Podium allowed our customers to reach out to us through texting. And for uh, most of the employees, we had it set up where they also, each time it would send you, a, you'd get a message. There were several of our employees that it would also ding their phones. So notebooks, old-fashioned paper and pen, and taking those messages down. And then we would call them from our phones, our cell phones. My personal cell phone ended up being the rollover for all of Adorworks seven lines that we have. Well, it basically just almost blew up on me one day uh, because it was so busy. So we immediately had to reach out and through another vendor and buy more cell phones, establish different cell numbers, publish them out on Facebook, and then just get the word out to different people that, you know, we lost our office. In the meantime, because we had nowhere to get, we ended up buying a picnic table, setting it out in front of our office, having a tent after several weeks of just being out in the direct sun. We had a tent that someone just one day, a former employee showed up and said, hey, y'all really need to have a tent and put over us. And for, I don't know, probably two months, well, until after Delta, really, we worked outside underneath these tents with our cell phones and the blessings of Podium, and that's how we operated. One of our employees had internet service at her home, and so she would stay there, and she quoted for us, was able to access uh, a little bit more freely the Podium services through her internet, and that, that's how we put ourselves back together again, with notebooks, paper, and cell phones and Podium. And also Facebook. So social media was also an opportunity for you to share information and make sure people knew that you were in business, even though it was barbaric to hear you describe using paper and pen. I mean, that's going way back in time, isn't it? Way back in time. And, you know, we first had a notebook and we'd just write down every call or they would show up. And it's then soon people started hearing, hey, they're there, they're outside. You have to just drive up. And so you'd look up and you'd have a long line of people standing in front of you. Well, then we discovered we couldn't flip through the notebooks fast enough. So we started over again and we bought notebooks for every little city surrounding us and or little community, non-incorporated areas. And then we started transferring all the notes out of the notebooks that we already had going and breaking them down by locations. So we just kept shuffling. And that's how we have pretty much ran our business since then. We've had to shuffle the information we have and create systems where either we were creating work orders and then we would file it in the stages of the work order progression or and or quoting because our QuickBooks wasn't operating and it's still not operating. Once we did get some computer power, we transferred those notebooks to Excel spreadsheets. But it has been a constant work in progress. I worry a little bit about the future, thinking we've done all these jobs, we don't have our history, because it's all on these, this loose paper that is has a, an elaborate system of falling that we created. And know that the daunting task will come one day when we're fully operational again and we have our QuickBooks going 
and we're going to have to then transfer all this manual work back into a computer system so we can track our customers. I just pray through all of these steps that we can keep moving our feet quickly enough where we do not have a return of a hurricane this year. No hurricanes this year. No hurricanes. Amen to that. Joy, you had people standing in line to get doors from your company, but did you have any doors? Did you have to order and restock inventory? Your warehouse was destroyed. Where did you put the doors when they came in? How did you handle the inventory and and all of that? We are blessed to have a church right next door to us. They had had a bus born where they were only occupying half of it. And they had this little white, it looks like a little standalone garage. They came over to us and they said, we can clean this side of the bus born. And if you'll help us move out, it was a bunch of just storage type items in it. You'll help us clean that. You can use these two areas and this will help. And we were, we felt so blessed. So we, we started doing the cleaning and we got it. We got our hands on a door and we changed out their door. We, we called it the little white house, the little white house. And so that kind of started us. And then we waited our turn or in a line, I guess I would say, for sea cans. And we eventually had sea cans delivered. We were able to take most of what we had in our warehouse and move it over. We were able to salvage a few doors, but most of it was just, it was just ruined with the weather. So here we have all these sea cans lined up. And we've had, seemed like we've had relentless rain this year and last year. Sea cans are great, but when it's raining and it's pouring and you have a delivery truck to come to you, you don't have anywhere to get it off. We had a loading dock and we no longer had a loading dock. So you're dropping the items down, doors down off those trucks and you, and you, all your people line up, even the girls in the office. We all line up and we're either grabbing hardware boxes, springs, tracks. And then the door panels come, and then you're trying to decide, okay, so the panels coming in, where are you going to put them? Where are you going to get so you can get to them? So you don't have to unload everything to get to the next person's job. So it, it's quite a, an operation where we're trying to calculate how many can we take in, how many will go out, and whether or not we're going to have rain the day to deliver to us. A lot of planning, just an inordinate amount of planning goes into just trying to make our business work. Everything is a process these days. I've heard you say everything is a process many, many times as we've talked about Hurricane Laura and Delta in the middle of the COVID pandemic. But you also had some great stories. You mentioned the church next door. Is that the Olivet Baptist Church? Olivet Baptist Church, yes. I'm happy to give them a plug for the Thank you. great generosity. That's that's fantastic that your next door neighbor was able to help you with that inventory problem so you could actually have a place to keep your materials safe in case there was a third storm that came through. You'd want to make sure that you had things protected as, as best you can. What we have experienced can help anyone else in any way. As rough as this has been, I will tell you, then it's all worth it because you just never know. I can tell you the afternoon that I left here before Laura hit that night, I, as I've told my priest many times, I said, I walked around that day and I prayed on every corner of our office. I just knew things would be okay. But you know, sometimes our okays does not come right away because the next day when I got here, I thought, this is not okay. 
But as time has gone on, you know, Monica, I have great faith. And I know, not just for me or for a dwarves, but for all of us, this has been hard, but a greater good will come. And so it will be okay eventually. I'm just having to wait a little bit longer to get that okay, but it'll come. It's been some time since Hurricane Laura hit. We're still wrapping up the COVID-19 pandemic. As you look back, Joy, at Hurricane Laura and this whole experience, if you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you give to other door dealers, other small business owners, or just anyone in general about how to deal with this kind of a disruption from a horrific hurricane event like Hurricane Laura? You know, I think we become very complacent sometimes in, I go to work, I, we do everything we're supposed to do to make our jobs happen the way they're supposed to. I think while it's hard to envision, and I know I didn't envision this, I think you have to allow yourself to step back and think about the what ifs. What if tomorrow I come to work and everything I have worked so hard for is suddenly gone. Where would I start? What would I do? You know, from the simple fact of I had to find a notebook to write in. That's starting from basic. Who stores from basic? I mean, you have computers that, that helps you manage every aspect of your business in many ways. And yet you don't have that. You have to go back to basics. So I look back and I think about, you know, each time our insurance agent would come, we would renew our policies, and I think, wow, I don't know if I can afford this deductible. You think about a deductible that you're going to use a deductible when your fence falls down, a little minor thing. But that's minors. And you have to think for the big times. Because what I thought I was saving in having the lower deductible doesn't necessarily pan out when when you're, you're put to the real test and you're having to fight to get your business going again and you're having to fight with these insurance people to help them realize what your real losses are. I don't know in the garage door world, and if someone knows, I would be interested in knowing what prevents a garage door company or door company, I should say, from marketing. You think, well, you have a loss of income. And what my plea has been, no, we do not have a loss of income. We have the ability to make that income happen. And so I think if you would think in your planning for your future, it's not the loss of income, but how do you plan on making the income happen? That would be the thing I would tell people you need to think about. Because when you have to go back, where you do not have a way to talk to someone, you do not have a way to manage all of the calls you're getting, and you only have two or three little tools to work with, how will you make your business go forward? I mean, we didn't even have a truck hardly left to, and we had to unbury what we had left that was drivable. But when two of your service trucks are down, you have a lot to work with. Thank you again, Joy. This has been Joy Absar with Ador Works, giving us a first-person account of life as a door dealer in a pandemic with not one, but two tropical storm events, one of which was the devastation of Hurricane Laura, which hit the Gulf Coast last year. 
Joe, I know this has been a very trying experience for you. I marvel all the time at your resilience and your positive attitude. I want to thank you very much for taking time away from your very busy activities with ADOR Works in Sulphur, Louisiana. Thank you so much for joining us. Mike, thank you. It's been my pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us as we talk to Joy about Hurricane Laura. We certainly hope you'll join us for the next episode of the IDA DoorCast. This is Mike Fisher signing off from the Whining Bar Cafe. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the IDA DoorCast. Be sure to catch our next episode. For more information about IDA, visit doors.org. See you next time.